I'm Farah Dijanet of Farah Dijanet Whole Horsemanship in Central Massachusetts in the USA. And this is another episode of my podcast where I'll help you liberate your horsemanship. world. Uh, This week I am bringing a podcast question up from Facebook um, regarding equipment choices mostly to do with bridles but um, I thought I would talk about uh, different kinds of equipment. I just got back from a fabulous trip to Portugal and I was able to observe the Equestrian uh, Portuguese School of Equestrian Art in Lisboa, and um, it was very interesting. Uh, if you are on Facebook, I posted some videos. Um, I figured some of you may never get the opportunity to see the stables and to see that training at that level up to high school from four-year-old horses. So I shared some of those in my Facebook group. If you're not in that group, you can find us on Facebook at uh, Faradijanet Horsemanship Group. Um, I have uh, some fabulous events coming up. Um, actually, the Youth Horsemanship Camp is full. Uh, I have that camp now every year for the aspiring young horsemen coming out. Uh, the children are our future. I think enough said there. I am plucking them up the serious young horsemen and um, planting the seeds for our trainers out there in the world to change the world for horses for the better. Um, I have the suppleness dancing clinic coming up, which is the first time I've done this, and it is so fun and so beneficial. And I really, really love doing this work. It's part of my daily training routine with um, many horses that I work with in um, rehabbing them, training them, getting them back to comfort and soundness. Um, It is also um, an excellent way to work with ponies and minis. I've been uh, rehabilitating ponies with this uh, that I can't ride. So it's also another um, creative way to work with your smaller animals. And uh, I am sure that uh, though I do not have any long ears, you guys could work with your long ears. I know some of you have long ears out there. So um, I don't come across them too often, but I do know people who have them. So, um, the Suppleness Dancing Clinic is in uh, June on the 29th and 30th, and it is uh, two days working from Liberty to Mounted Work over the two days. So, um, anyone who's uh, able to attend that, I highly recommend it. Um, There are still some spots available, Uh, not too many, but uh, there is still some spots. So, anyway, onward and upward. Um, The equipment 
that uh, I use. I'm just going to talk about the equipment that I use because there are so many equipment choices out there. Everybody's nodding their head. So the thing about equipment choices is number one, horse listening. Everybody's cheering. And number two, um, you know, my experience has led me to produce pieces of tech, which um, I find uh, generally useful because their versatility on uh, many different types of horses. So um, when I set out to train, one of my big um, pet peeves is um, equipment. You know, there's too much of it, the obsession with bits, the obsession with training gadgets. You know, anyone who's been following me for more than a minute knows I'm very anti-gadget. And um, I really, you know, really simplified my my tools that I use. So um, ultimately, when I do use equipment, um, for a while I really wanted to find um, a bridle that had no bit that I really liked and it took me a while and I tried a bunch of different ones and I really just did not find anything that appealed to me so um, ultimately I started out riding in a basic western side pull which was okay but you know anyone who knows western side pulls know that they have generally rawhide nosebands and or lariat and I didn't really think that that was necessary. Um, they're stiff, and also a lot of the side pulls that I found were very, um, they weren't very well made, you know, they weren't very high-end bridles. So uh, I actually wanted one that I could show in that was nice enough and comparable to a high-end, you know, English bridle. Um, you know, whether or not you ride English or not, it doesn't matter. It's just having a nice piece of tech. So, uh, also durable. But anyway, um, any of you who haven't seen the video that I just posted on YouTube about my bridal um, designs and, um, you know, any of the stuff, uh, trials and tribulations of how I got there, um, basically... Uh, I did it because I needed to, and I came up with that design. Uh, it's kind of a hybrid of a side pull and a um, classical cavison. And I looked at all the weak points of all the designs that I've seen. Um, I did not want pressure on my horse. I did not want hard things on their nose. I did not want jangly rings, bicycle chain. I did not want crisscrosses tightening. I did not want sloppy rolling around uh, attachments under the chin. So um, because of the way I train for precision training, I really needed to find a bridle that was as precise as a bridle with a bit, but not as... Um, you know, that didn't have all the pressure points that a lot of the bridles have, bitless and bitted. So, um, these are the things that went into the thought process of building that bridle. 
and I really had to um, think about the feel that I wanted. And I also wanted to be able to ride correctly. And that was very difficult. I was not finding a, a lot of communication in the equipment for correct riding, correct biomechanical riding. Uh, the interesting thing about side pull designs is um, they are a misnomer because people think of pulling. And I don't pull on my horses. I have a very light hand and I use the um, natural framing of the horse based on back to front riding. So therefore my reins are used very little if at all. So um, the name side pull is unfortunate. The side part I get, the pull part, not so much. Okay, so there's a little sidebar. Anyway, moving on to um, tools and other equipment. So um, the question that I received was regarding rope halters. And there are many rope halter designs. Some people just ride with rope halters. Some people ride with nylon halters. Some people ride in Monty Roberts dually halters. And some people ride in some type of side pulls type rope halters with rings on the side. I've seen all of them. And really it comes down to what type of riding you want to do. You know, do you want to just go hacking? Um, are you just riding around on a big loop terrain? And if you're doing that kind of stuff, all of those things are fine. All of them. You know, ride with a liberty rein. You know, I work with that too. Uh, my point of view with riding is if it has to be beneficial to my horse and their core and their musculature, then there's a certain amount of framing that comes from back to front that needs to happen. And it's very difficult to um, have several examples of, um, you know, if you're working with your horse from back to front, um, if you have rein attachments under their chin, um, it's not impossible, but it's a convoluted feel. If you have your reins attached to a crisscross design, um, in addition to being uh, opposing reins, um, because they're, your reins are crisscrossed, you've got the left rein running um, through to the right side and you've got the right rein running through to the left side so that's um, what I call an oppositional rein so there um, to me that creates uh, biomechanical issues and sometimes even faulty um, pull positions so anyway there are many many bridles out there um, there are the original bridles and then there's the ones that people kind of bit off you know, everybody's bit off on each other's designs. So um, ultimately, my favorite design is the one that I produced um, for what I use every day when I train. And it's very uh, simple. It is a glorified leather halter, but the important pieces that I see on the good bridles that are very stable and still on the horse's face, they have Y straps. Y straps are the straps that go to the noseband and they keep the nosebands from uh, falling or slipping on the horse's face. They create stability. Um, this 
as opposed to a wise trap you might see when people attach just a simple noseband to their bridal headstall. So you can buy nosebands with rings on the side that just simply attach to any old um, headstall, which is fine. But again, I feel that the Y straps are really important uh, that stabilize the nose and also allow you to position the nose refined higher or lower on the bridge of the horse. Um, the other strap which is really important is the gel strap. Some bitless bridles have throat latches and gel straps or throat latches and no gel straps. Mine don't have throat latches, they just have gel straps. The gel strap stabilizes the bridle and stops it from rolling on the horse's face again. It's a stability issue. So when you want to be precise with your horse, if your bridle is rolling around and it is going in your horse's eyes or it is getting pulled way over to one side, um, a lot of people ride with uneven rein pressure without even being conscious of it. Um, any tack that is not ergonomic to the horse's face, and it's not about tightness, it's just about fitting well, is um, going to move on the horse's face in a way which is undesirable. So there's um, a reason why I would not use rope halters, nylon halters, um, even a regular leather halter, um, because I could not get them to fit. Well, I suppose you could get some of the nylon halters and leather halters to fit better, but again, still, you're dealing with, um, you know, attaching the rein to the side um, square and not to a rein ring, which I don't think is totally desirable either. Um, so there's hopefully enough of an explanation of why I don't ride in those, and I could, and I'm also, you know, someone who doesn't need fancy equipment and doesn't need a, a lot of, um, you know, stuff that is, you know, gimmicky or unnecessary. So I just like good, solid, durable equipment. That's all I want. And stuff that's going to last uh, working with many different horses day after day after day. For those of you who don't know, Buckaroo Leather makes my bridles and they are very high quality. They are definitely show quality bridles, but also made out of extremely thick, durable harness leather. So um, if you didn't see my video, I on YouTube about the um, bridles, I confess to that I'm not very good about cleaning my tack. And my tack just has to put up with being used and used and used. Occasionally I'll wipe sweat off if the horse was sweaty and got too much salt on it. But um, generally my tack just has to suffer with dirt. And um, my bridles have not broken. They have not um, had any issues with cracking. So um, I should be the product tester for all things, including my own tack. And you know what? My tack is really tough. So there's my little... Um, testimonial to my own tack which has been tried and tested field tested for years in my barns and um, is very soft and pliable and strong so anyway let's move on to um, you know why would someone choose to go bitless um, 
why do we choose certain tech? Um, if you're concerned about, there's a lot of reasons to go bitless, but, um, you know, a lot of people choose it for their um, humane reasons. Uh, sometimes it's a physical reason. You know, there can be uh, dental issues. I think we're all aware of that. Facial issues. Um, for in my case, um, I've had to rehab many horses that its mouths have been ruined or poorly educated. And the top one is the horses that have been roll curd and have been ridden extremely low, deep and round. You know, there is no difference. LDR, roll curd. Anyway, if you don't know what roll curd is or, or a low, deep and round, it's overflexion or hyperflexion of the horses. Basically, the horses with their nose in their chest. And those horses have suffered so much and sometimes being ridden that way for many, many years that the only way to rehabilitate them up to a proper frame again and correct biomechanics is to take the bit away because they associate the bit with basically putting their nose in their chest. So um, I've successfully rehabbed some upper-level dressage horses back to healthier, more comfortable biomechanics by using bitless, and it was a necessity, not a choice. Um, when I train my horses, um, because my horses have done recognized competition in the past, and um, we may be headed there in the future, the horses have to be ridden with a bit in dressage. They're not legal to be shown bitless. You know, everybody's rolling their eyes right now. Yes, the reasons are dumb. I'm totally with you. I've been watching it from the sidelines and signing petitions. But basically, it's a money thing. So you're not going to see bitless in the USDF or in the FEI unless they see hordes, and I mean hordes of possible new memberships and possible revenue from bitless riders and here's the problem a lot of you detest showing don't want to show um i also find that world reprehensible but i also feel like if you're not out there showing another way you cannot make change that world will never change unless they show sustainable training and you show riders who are actually riding more sustainably and without using those techniques so this is why I keep one foot in that world because I got to keep an eye on those guys and also I have to make sure that there are clients I have that still want to compete and they go out and they represent the natural performance horse the barefoot bitless when possible holistic living horse so uh, if you are out there and you are super interested in seeing bitless go, then you got to get a membership to your local sanctioned event organization, and you got to put your money where your mouth is, because that's what it's all about with those people, is, you know, they need to see you signed up for the competition year. If it's not allowed, if enough people are saying they are willing to sign up and, you know, get memberships to the local governing uh, show associations, you'll start seeing some more movement there. That's what it comes down to. So it's all about business. We all know that it's all about money. So 
I have spoken about this so many times, um, you know, how we get um, bitless accepted. Uh, if you are a jumper, you have no worries. Jumpers are allowed to show bitless. If you're eventing, you can run your cross country and your show jumping bitless. Um, there are inhumane bitless pieces of equipment. Uh, there are bicycle chain nose bands. There are uh, very strong chain shanks. Um, there are extremely, extremely harsh um, mechanical hackmores, which you see in Western sometimes and um, in some of the jumper rings. So let's just not say that all bitless riding is humane. And um, even some of the more mild-looking, like metal side cheek piece ones that are supposed to be sort of progressive, um, I see how they kind of rest on the horse's face, and I've tried some of them, and I have not been enamored with how they... Um, I definitely have not been enamored with, with how they, they lay on the horse's face and how the, it feels to the horse. So, if you're going to, um, you know, investigate different designs, there are many. Again, I always keep it simple. You know, I don't need to get too fancy. I've seen some new things coming out lately with big shanks on them, and I don't know. It still comes down to trying to leverage the horse somehow and put pressure on the pole and the nose. So, um, yeah, anyway... That's that's that with the bitless thing. You know, make your decisions based on listening to your horse. Find piece of equipment that you work. Um, if you learn how to ride your horse from back to front, you'll find that really you just need a simple, simple thing on their head. Um, it's not about what's on their head. I'll say that again. I've said it before. It is not about what's on the horse's head. But there are things that can interfere with your communication absolutely make your rein aids more fixed metal side pieces you know interfere with soft communication so um if you are scared to change your equipment out uh, i'm gonna just say that if you train your horse as someone who's reschooled horses up restarted horses um, it's just a matter of restarting your horse to correct basics and foundation. Every training problem I deal with usually comes from two places, pain and bad foundation basics. So um, foundation basics are easy to fix. Um, pain and trauma issues are a whole different thing. Uh, more often than not, we're dealing with pain and trauma issues. We have to get them out of the way, get the horse comfortable, happy, mentally, physically, spiritually, and then we can go in and start the restarting again. So, uh, you know, if your horse has dental problems, if your horse has issues with facial structure, injuries, past injuries, then yeah, you may have to choose certain shapes of bridles. Um, there's so many options there, and plus you can get custom stuff built. Um, ultimately, if you're going to ride correct, you're going to want something that's a kind of a proper bridle. 
and you know that's the way I work because uh, I ride for the well-being of my horse as far as their their soundness and comfort and suppleness so you need a bridle that you can really go out and work with for real so that um is kind of my answer to all that and why I don't use uh you know sloppy halters and and rope halters I also on a last note on the rope halter thing a lot of them are designed with knots and in some cases knots actually to put pressure on the nose not all of them some of them are just knotted because they're tied and um that's just the way the halter is made but some of them actually have knots on the nose purposely to inflict pressure points on the horse's nose. So that's a no for me. Um, not really interested in that. And um, again, if you need these things on your horse because they are not stopping or they're not um, as responsive as you'd like, you have to go back to your foundation training and figure out where the problem is. It's always a foundation problem. Any horse that is trained up correctly from the beginning, from their groundwork, it's going to be very nice in the bridle, unless there's a physical reason why they cannot do it or confirmational reason. And in that case, then your training might be more um, at length and maybe require more time for that horse to develop so they can be light and self-caring and balanced. So, um, when you're looking at um, any kind of equipment, you know, we always want to maintain this feeling about, you know, as much as we want to work with our horse you know, I try to keep as little equipment between me and the horse. I like treeless saddles. I ride bareback. I use bareback pads. Um, unfortunately, again, competition, we have to use saddles. I tend to use uh, treeless saddles that have um, panels in them and have a very close feeling, as close to bareback as possible without actually being bareback. And, um, again, that's another personal choice. How are you going to use your saddle? Is it for competition? Is it for pleasure? You know, do you need it? Do you just ride bareback? You know, a lot of my um, students here like to ride both bareback and with saddles. You know, some of them compete. So they have both, and it's all good. It really comes down to what you're doing and um, as far as bareback if you're riding bareback there's some argument about whether or not um, a horse can withstand you know you sitting on the bareback for long you know um, this really comes down to again your horse's individual fitness their top line you know, level of training, confirmation, all these things come into, these factors come into play when you're talking about sitting on horses. Um, if I'm bringing horses along for a restart or it's a, a colt start, I usually spend the first 
six weeks to eight weeks building the horse's top lines and not putting any weight, my full body weight on them till the third month. So that horse, by the time I'm getting to them, has developed core muscles and core strength and has developed as a horse into a horse that can carry the weight of the rider without disuniting and without hollowing out their body and their back. So um, this goes back to the fact that uh, there's been a lot of stuff I've been posting about horses getting started too young, uh, when are the bones developed. So if you have a horse that is young and you don't take the time to develop them, then you wind up with creating problems with their top line and their core strength, um, possibly being stressed, you know, if they're being worked too early, too hard. So um, you have to really look at the breed, look at the horse. There's so many factors that go in. Um, Sometimes I have horses brought to me and I look at them and I think that horse is in an awkward developmental stage for riding. You know, maybe their hindquarters are higher than their withers. And that makes it really difficult for them to start carrying the rider. And different breeds mature at different rates. So this question of, you know, developing horses, what they can carry on their backs, you know, how long can they carry a rider? This is a very, very moving target question. Those are the kind of questions that they really come down to. Um, look at your horse objectively, ask your horse, and um, be mindful of not sticking to these sort of rules about this is when a horse should be somewhere, you know, in, a, in their development. This is where a lot of crimes against horses are committed you know, the the sort of guidelines of what a horse should be doing at any given time. So, um, with that all said, the point of that was, you know, can you ride bareback comfortably? Um, we go on trail rides around here bareback. We ride training sessions bareback here, my clients and myself. So, uh, have I seen any problems from this? No, I have not. So uh, my horses have not communicated to me that this is um, uncomfortable to them, but they also have good top lines and good strength. So there you go. Um, As far as any other equipment that I use, um, a lot of the things I use are just basic, again, basic lunge lines. I prefer to do line work with basic flat lunge line. Um, I have some certain, um, I have a special uh, whip that I use that is very soft on the end and it literally has a nylon tassel, does not have any kind of sharp points on it. It's very good for helping the horse understand proprioception and if you have, you know, not every horse needs to be worked with with any kind of whip or stick, but um, if you're working with horses um, at a distance, in a large area, out in a field, 
with no offenses, any type of scenarios, sometimes it's helpful. Um, it depends on exactly what I'm doing. Uh, there are no hard and fast rules for me. I have tools for each situation. And if uh, I'm working with dangerous horses, aggressive horses, horses that bite, strike, or kick, I will carry some type of whip with me. Uh, sometimes even a flag. It depends because we rehabilitate dangerous horses at the farm sometimes. And I've had horses here that uh, definitely kicked without warning. Uh, I worked with horses that charged, um, you know, until we got to the bottom of why they were doing it. Safety is not negotiable. So, um, you know, there's things you have to, uh, you know, in the back of my mind, I always think to myself, at some point, I will not need this tool. I may never need tools with certain horses. I may never need certain tools with some of the horses. There are definitely horses here where I don't need anything with at all. And my personal horses, I tend to work with with little or no tools. And um, my goal is always to not use uh, as, as little tools as possible. So um, I will often, you'll see me working with nothing. I don't recommend this for everybody because if you don't have a well-developed scent of chi and you don't have a well-developed um, sense of your own confidence with horses, especially if you have horses that are um, difficult and can have a pattern with you of being uh, dangerous or unsafe, then you know you have to make um, good, sensible judgment calls about that. I don't want anyone getting hurt because they're trying to, you know, be minimalist with tools, but it's not safe to do so. So be smart, know your horses, know your limitations. And if you're trying to work towards that, that's a great goal. But don't rush there if it's not, you know, the right time to do it. So um, as far as any other things that I work with, I, I often do a lot of my groundwork with just basic halters. Um, I work with um, just simple nylon halters or leather halters. A lot of my in-hand work and groundwork is done with that. Um, I definitely uh, enjoy working with just my hands and touch on horses. Um, my hands are one of my biggest tools and not in a pokey or finger pointy kind of way. I see a lot of people doing that and I, I don't really understand it. But um, I use my hands very flat, very open, very soft. Um, I find even with horses that don't uh, necessarily have a um, re reactive responsiveness that that still works with them and in actuality all horses are sensitive uh, I've explained in the past that there are sensitive reactive horses and there are horses who are very they're sensitive but not reactive and let's not confuse all horses are sensitive. Some horses have slower reflexes and slower reactions. So you may have a horse that is a slower reacting horse. 
that horse can feel your your communication but they do not have quick reflexes you know a great example I always find is like you have horses that are bred for like cutting or western events or speed events and they can move quick you know they can jump to the left jump to the right switch gears go fast go slow you know and then stop on a dime and then you have like a big floaty warm blood or a draft horse and those horses aren't bred for quick reflex they're bred for big slow ground covering movement and they're not supposed to be quickly turning or quickly stopping so um, you have to respect if your animal has a quick reflex or a slow reflex and also the medium reflex so there's a lot of horses that fall right into the middle and frankly that's like to me the ideal um the horses that are quick reflex we wind up some having to slow down mercury is a quick reflex horse um i've spent a lot of time slowing him down in his responses and helping him relax so he can be slower and slower reacting and softer reacting um, I will say again, and I've said many times in my clinics, light is light, soft is soft, light and soft are ideal. Some horses are soft, but not light. Some horses are light and bracy, and both together are the ideal. So um, if you have a horse that's soft, but not very light, that's a lot of times the horses that are lower lower energy again not they're sensitive but they don't have the reactions so those horses that's just a shift in program and um, the context in which you train them we're just trying to get them all balanced and in the middle so basically um yeah a lot of the equipment i use mostly is body language me my hands, simple halters. Uh, I don't use rope halters. Um, in the past, I investigated them uh, when they were all the rage, and then I decided that they were not necessary. Um, you know, it's just, I have a way, um, actually, here's a piece of equipment that, um, that I use. So you might ask, say, well, what do I do when I have a horse that's really strong in the halter, or, you know, and hasn't quite learned to um, walk with uh, a little bit more harmony with you, or move with harmony with you, is um, if I have a horse that's very difficult and pulls really hard, then I have a simple nylon piece of rope that I will run through the halter, and I will use it uh, I've designed these myself. I'll use it like the way you would run a chain over the nose of the horse. I will use a piece of rope that's soft and does not harm the horse. I'll run it over the nose from the from the um, top ring in the halter, just the same way you would run a shank through there. And I use that either wrapped around the nose one time or two times and then out the side ring. I find this far more effective than a rope halter and I'll tell you why. If you have a horse that really pulls any type of 
lead rope under the chin. This goes for leather halter, nylon halter, rope halter. If the horse has the line attached under the chin, they can drag you really easily. They can pull away really easily. A horse can get much more leverage when they have any line attached under their chin. If you have a line attached to the side, even as simple as just attaching your lead rope to the side ring of your simple nylon halter with no other thing, you have much better ability to bend and turn your horse if they're pulling a lot. So this is what you'll often see here at the farm is just if we're rehabbing a horse that has a habit of doing that, then the line is clipped to the side ring on the halter you can't do with a rope halter or if they are extremely difficult and they're new then it will be a simple nylon rope run through twisted around the nose about the other ring and clipped up to the top ring on the halter and this is a very soft non-harmful non-painful way of working with that horse it does not require any shaking of the line does not require anything, just very much easy way of working with a horse that's a strong puller until we get to the place where the horse is not doing that behavior anymore. So there's my equipment roster. It's pretty basic. Um, trying to think of if there's anything else that I use. I always wear gloves if I'm handling ropes with horses for safety's sake. Um, if the horse is a puller especially, it's a very, very um, silly way to get an injury is to not wear gloves when you're handling your ropes and tools. Um, it's just basic, good piece of basic equipment. Um, but I think, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, most of the stuff that uh, I work with is just very simple. And uh, I, I tend to shy away from heavy ropes. Um, you know, in natural horsemanship, there's a lot of big, thick ropes. And, you know, they're just heavy. I like light, simple equipment that's not super heavy. I just love a simple nylon lunge line that's flat. And, um, yeah, um, I will work with shorter lead ropes sometimes, but uh, generally... Uh, I prefer uh, flat, flat types of things like nylon ropes or uh, even I have um, just flat leather lines. So uh, yeah, things that are small, um, not not too heavy, not too clunky to work with. Uh, I just don't like really really heavy stuff. So um, I'm pretty sure that covers everything as far as equipment goes. And, um, you know, as far as bidding goes, for those of you who are riding with bits, uh, I'm really down to, you know, if I have to ride someone's horse with a bit or, you know, they, people want me to ride the, train the horse for a bit, um, I really work with some basic, basic stuff. I work with, uh, simple full cheeks, uh, mullen mouth happy mouths which are plastic bits that are um, very soft and um, 
yeah, I, I really don't have a huge combination of bits that I like to work with. I don't really like rubber bits. Um, some people like those. If I'm going to go with a synthetic bit, it's going to be a, a happy mouth of some kind. But generally, the, the soft, uh, straight mouth ones. Uh, simple snaffles, you know, again, doesn't. I don't find the need for anything uh, fancy. Bits that are made out of fancy metals, you know, uh, certain shapes are they better? You know, new bits are twisted and have ergonomic mouthpieces. Again, you really have to try them and listen to your horse, you know, you gotta see what suits them. Um, I, I really have very little uh, variety in my bits. I sold a lot of my bits on eBay because <laughs> I had tons, as trainers do and eventually realized they were all pointless. Um, I definitely do not um, go towards the Mylar bits. Uh, they, the Mylar comfort snaffles, the simple comfort snaffles are okay, but um, these ones where there's a lot of like, there's a lot, some of those bits have a lot of stuff going on. And it just, again, goes toward, to me, to be, um, it just starts to, to be like, okay, it's about what's in the horse's mouth, and it's not. So, um, yeah, anytime I start seeing a lot of stuff going on in a bit, and a lot of, you know, fancy cheek rings with different attachments, and lots of rollers, I, I see, I start throwing red flags. Not necessary. So, if your groundwork has been good, if you've prepped your horse well, and they don't have holes in their education, a simple snaffle or um, happy mouth bit should be absolutely fine, unless there is a serious, you know, um, mouth confirmation issue or a dental issue, at which point you're probably looking at bitless. So anyway, little side bit on bits there because I didn't get into that, but just my basic thing again, um, there's no magic bits, I'm not about the magic bits. Great marketing ploys, thousands of bits out there. I see lots of every, you know, couple of years someone comes out with another one, decides it's the new magic bit. But there are no magic bits. There's only good basic training and foundation work. And your relationship with your horse. When your relationship with your horse is amazing, then you don't have to train that much. So um, anyway, I'm going to leave it at that for this podcast. And uh, hopefully that answered the question that was posed. And um, again, uh, I talked about the events that are coming up. Um, Also, if anyone would like to see any live webinars, um, there's definitely uh, a suggestion box for the live webinars if you have an interest in finding out You know any any specific topics that you'd like to have covered. Uh, there's a couple more questions that have been asked that uh, are for future podcasts on different topics. So I am hearing your questions, and um, I think you can actually leave messages on here again. I remind people. I don't know how many people go on the anchor site, but you can leave them there. But definitely on my Instagram and my Facebook is where I'm going to see them the most or through the website, through my contact information 
at fdhorsemanship.com. So, I will conclude this uh, equipment uh, podcast with uh, saying uh, happy horsing around, and uh, I'll see you on the next one. All right. Find out more about Farah Dijanet Whole Horsemanship at fdhorsemanship.com, YouTube, Farah Dijanet Horsemanship on Facebook, at fdhorsemanship on Instagram, at fdhorsemanship on Twitter, and also you can join my membership site at fdhorsemanship.com where you can have access to virtual coaching, my online mentor program, and also many, many videos, plus videos for sale on cold starting and many exercises that I teach. 